Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join 
the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Chris S goes home. He threw everyone under the bus. He's a rat, snake, crocodile, every reptile out there. He's been camouflaging this whole time. I'm honestly surprised he's made it this far. His ass is going home tonight. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we have just concluded viewing week three, episode four of season 18 of The Bachelorette, starring Michelle Young. What an episode it was. We're in the dog days of the regular season now, ladies and gentlemen. We're watching just those grinders grinding it out, trying to make it through one more week. Not a lot of strong play during these episodes in the middle of seasons usually not a lot of drama not a lot of strong play that's a lot of strong play this episode there was some strong play a lot of strong play there were a bunch of floaters dancing around like nobody's business just floating through the pool <laughs> your next bachelor for example clayton eckard season 26 bachelor that motherfucker is a professional floater at this point i <laughs> Definitely did not think Clayton would be a floater, but that is exactly what we're looking at here. He's jumping in. He's got some sentences. He's also the bachelor. Whether he's a floater or not, we should be seeing more of him in the document. That's up to the producers to promote the man who's going to be the next bachelor. They've done a terrible job of it. Absolutely abysmal. His one-on-one date has a lot of work to do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> his one-on-one date's going to be like as soon as he arrives listen i've got something to tell you ptc listen yeah i really like you actually i'm starting to fall for you you know what i'm falling for you actually i'm in love with you it's all like in the first five minutes he's got to do it all it's going to be a six-part ptc it's going to be way better than zach clark's infamous five-parter <laughs> he's gonna fuck- it's gonna be the most tragic shit you've ever heard in your entire life i've got a 10-part ptc It's going to be told in five parts of two. Are you ready? This is not actually my real feet. My real feet went into a tractor. (laughs) This is not my real eyes. I lost my eyes during cornhole. (laughs) He's an android? Is that what you're saying? He's got bionic parts? What's going on? (laughs) All of his PTCs are that he is a robot. (laughs) They add up to that. Now you're talking about my favorite season in the history of the show. I don't think any of that's going to happen, but we are still anxiously waiting to see what Clayton is going to do for us here, what he is going to show the producers that ultimately make them select him as the 26th Bachelor. We still don't know what it is, but tonight, I don't mean to shit on it. We did see some good play, and we're definitely going to get to that. I'm just saying, once you get into these middle areas of the regular season, especially in these bubble seasons, it's just fucking grinding. And speaking of grinding... If you want to know what is the subtle play that you can do to grind through a season like this, if you're an incoming player, even if you're a fan and you just want to know the game better, you can go ahead and pick up a book now that is available for pre-order called How to Win the Bachelor. This is a book that Pace Case and I wrote, and we are doing a couple of contests in service of that. You can go to howtowinthebachelor.com. 
upload your receipt to be entered into a drawing to win autographed copies, to win Zooms with Pace Case and myself, to win contraband t-shirts with an image on them that we produced that no one has ever seen, but some of the t-shirts exist. We're going to be giving some of those away. And also there is a gigantic grand prize for one lucky winner who is going to get this mystery object that will for sure change their lives. Clues, you know what I'm here to do? Tell you about contest number two, of course. And we don't have updated numbers. So who knows what has happened since last week, but at last week we were at 14%. So our goal of selling 10,000 books pre-order, we're not quite there, but you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're working our way up. Yeah, we're grinding, just like the guys on this season. We are grinding, some might say, you know, as, you know, all great works, you know, Twilight, the Bible, etc. you know, they might have, they had to just pick up some steam. And hopefully that's what we're going to do, because at 25%, Clues is going to release the bottom of the pit song never been heard except for the first two lines, which he has only sung to me a cappella on this podcast because we need to hit this goal at 50%. We're going to do an Instagram live from the shadow of the mansion at 75%. We are going to compete against each other in a hoo-joo competition. That is hog jumping. It is a, our most beloved sub sport. And at 100%, we're going to do a mystery prize for the whole pit that will Surprise and delight, everyone. And the bigger goal of all of this is that if we can get on that New York Times bestseller list and our best shot to do that will be the first week because all these pre-orders are applied to that first week of sales. If we can get on that list, I believe we can use that momentum to sell our own show, which will be a dating competition reality program, the likes of which this small planet has not ever seen and is clearly not ready for. But I think that would help us get to that goal and... I want to make this show so fucking bad. Pace Case and I have spent a lot of time developing it. It's a very good premise and we want to see it made. So any help that we can get from everybody in the pit, we sincerely appreciate it all. But now, Pace Case, let's do what we came here to do. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So here we are. Week three, episode four, we start with the intro promo. We see Michelle Young racing against Martin on a one-on-one. We see Rick on a tram. We see Joe Coleman. He's hitting deeper layers. We see the one-on-one with Rick. We see some 4TWR accusations being thrown around. We see somebody calling Chris S. a snake. It looks like he's going to be the new villain. Nobody has it in the bag, Michelle Young is saying. And then Nate, it looks like, might fight Chris S. This was the exact same promo that we saw at the end of last week's episode. I don't even think a shot was changed. I think it was a copy and paste by the editor. Very good job. Smart. We start with a guy chat at the pool. The guys are happy that Jamie is gone. Joe, Casey, Romeo. Casey says his snake actions were his downfall. And Michelle has great judgment. Joe calls her a strong woman. Did you notice that this moment, they're opening this show with a final button to Jamie Scar's a piece of shit. That's essentially what they're doing here. He is no longer in the program. He cannot defend himself. Yeah, we're opening with more shitting on Jamie Scar that he cannot defend as he gets death threat DMs, as we talked about on our last women. But they're calling him a snake. Meanwhile, Michelle is talking with Caitlin Bristow about her biggest fears, about getting to know someone and then realize another side of them. 
And she says, if there's more red flags, she's going to address it just like this. But she loves how the men are good at being vulnerable. Tasha comes to the house and lets them know there's going to be two unbelievable one-on-one dates this week and a group date. Make the most of your time with Michelle. Joe Coleman ITMs that he's here for TRR and wants to make Michelle feel seen. And Martin gets the first one-on-one date. Martin, let's get love back on track. And then Olu throws in an ITM here that he doesn't trust Martin because Martin knew Jamie. And Olu wants Martin to go home. Snake adjacent. Just by being in proximity of another player, maybe even having a friendly conversation or befriending one of these players, you can now start to get sucked down the hole of villainy if you're just in proximity. I don't know that we've seen this exactly before, and I couldn't believe that they were trying to set this up, but that ultimately is going to become some dramatic component within the Michelle Young date. And I would venture to say that the ITM with Olu was shot after Michelle Young's date, Hmm. after producers knew that they had that footage of her having that conversation with him. Then they get Olu or whoever, any of these players in an ITM and say, well, what do you think about Martin? He must have known Jamie. Maybe he's a snake too. Wouldn't put it past any of the above. We get the beginning of the one-on-one date where Michelle says she's still deciding if Martin can make her heart race. And he waits at an empty racetrack while a car speeds in and almost hits him. That's what you get for being snake adjacent. (laughs) You get a (laughs) life-threatening stunt driver just being like, look out, dude, I might kill you. You deserve it. Portion number two begins. Oh, shocker. Michelle gets out of this car. And Martin does a good thing here. He says, I do love adrenaline, but first, and then he kisses her. I like the kissing right off the bat. We don't see that often. It is such a strong move. It immediately sets the tone. It implies, doesn't even apply. It actually is chemistry game right off the bat. So that now through the whole day, holding hands, putting an arm around each other, snuggling up, whatever, that's now just going to be second nature. You ice break with a kiss on a one-on-one. This is perfectly played. Very well done by Martin here. And then we see the person who was driving this car. A man gets out of the driver's seat. His name is Brian. He's the BMW Performance Track instructor, and he's rubbing his hands together eagerly. And he explains to Michelle and Martin that the M3 BMW is a 505 horsepower car, and they're going to drift race one another. And Brian, the BMW Performance Track instructor, was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Every once in a while, you get a Jorge Moreno bystander of the week who literally takes players' lives into their hands. And that was the case here. Easily, he could have ended the entire show (laughs) had he made one wrong move. (laughs) But he didn't. He took that burden. He took that responsibility and he ran with it. And he delivered a fantastic date for these two. He didn't take them all out in a blaze of glory, you're saying. (laughs) No, he did not. So he deserves an award. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. I really thought you were going to pick the bystander I chose. No, not at all. Not not Brian. The bystander you chose, which we'll get to a little later, 
are super fucking famous people. I think Brian needs a little spotlight shining on him. I think mm. the other bystanders that you're going to pick later. Oh, it's a benevolent. Yes. I'm trying to get him Instagram followers. That's right. I don't know what his Instagram is, but whatever it is, find it. Follow him. Well, I like to be objective with my awards. So anyway, uh, Brian teaches them how to drift. Martin and Michelle spin their cars around. They race. Michelle wins. Again, nice move, Martin. Michelle forcing out these love metaphors. Our cars were not necessarily always on track, but our relationship is on track. Sure. She's not good at hiding when she is not liking stuff, and I think she's not liking the love metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) They get out of these cars. We get another kiss here. And then they get in some bathrobes and they just walk out onto the track and they're approaching what looks like a feeding trough for farm animals. It's just this giant metal dish, basically a cylinder with some hot water poured in it. This is supposed to be a hot tub. This is not a hot tub. I don't know what this thing is, this container, but they've just poured water into it. There's no bubbles. There's no jets. This is not a hot tub. I feel like this is their hot tub that they just bring everywhere. And they just, they're like, oh, now it's a hot tub time. I definitely noticed the decor around the hot tub, though. There was like some fake leaves, but then there was also stacks of tires. See, that's what I think it was. I think that thing is like some packing container that tires came in or some auto shit came in and they were like, ah, fuck it. Just dump some water in there and make them sit in there and drink champagne. That's what it fucking looked like to me. I've never seen a fucking hot tub that looks like that in my life. It's a, It was like an aluminum fucking disc. I feel like it was not hot. I don't think it was either. Maybe heated up by the sun. Exactly. Nonetheless, this strange choice by the production designer, if it was a choice at all, serves as a hot tub functionally. This is why they're doing it. They get into it. They cheers. They have their champagne. And we get that classic scene. This happens on many one-on-one dates in our beloved game, no matter where they are, even at a fucking racetrack when they've got to haul out like some container that had an engine block in it. I I swear to you, that is not meant for people to sit in. (laughs) I think it might just be a portable hot tub, you know, but We've seen that though. But it doesn't look like it's plugged into anything. That's what I'm saying. There's no there's nothing in the tub that heats the water up. How is that a fucking hot tub? Maybe there's logs under it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like when they do that other one, like with on Matt James season, on JoJo Fletcher's season, they had that portable hot tub that's like the wood burning one. They also did it, I think, on Vial season and uh when he goes to Finland with Vanessa Grimaldi. They have these hot tubs that are wood burning. But certainly they have some component of them that actually heats the water, making it an, in quotes, hot tub. Uh This is a tub, maybe. Not a hot tub, though. That's for fucking sure. I'll give you tub, not hot tub. Yeah, maybe it is a kiddie pool tub. And maybe it's actually cold water because it's so hot there. Maybe it's refreshingly cold. Could be. I don't know. This just looked very weird. But they cheers to not having been on a date like this, who has been. And he asks her how she's feeling about everything, including what happened yesterday. And Michelle tells him that it's hard to trust somebody. Then all of a sudden, have that trust completely dissipate. It was difficult for her. And this is where Martin brings up the Jamie thing. And he says he's not trying to take a side with Jamie or anything like that. He just thinks that everyone's calling him a rat. He doesn't think he's a bad person. And he says, I still think he's a... And I don't know what he said here. It was like unintelligible a little bit, but I think he said like he's a good guy or something. I thought he said hell of a man. 
Maybe he said hell of a man, right? That part is played off face. He did not say that here. That's from an ITM or something. So they're using it to try and bolster that argument here to try and really amp up the fact that he's like, I'm on team Jamie. And then Michelle is like, well, do you think I made the wrong decision by kicking him off? And then he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, no. Your connection with him <laughs> is your whole thing. I, I'm not getting mad at you for that. Whatever. I'm just saying. And Michelle basically says she had the information to make the best decision. And she also needs somebody who's going to trust the decisions she makes because she's a strong woman. And Martin says, yes, absolutely. I was just talking about it in general. And Michelle is like, I'm not worried anymore. But she felt initially like her decision was being questioned. So we get this little moment of false drama here, almost a misstep by Martin, but he pulls it off. He, he comes out the other side of it. And I thought he played this pretty well. It was unnecessary for him to bring it up, but I think he saw the error in it and backtracked very quickly. Portion three, we have the night portion of the date. Michelle loads that she needs clarity on the situation, that she needs to have trust with her soulmate. And she tells Martin when we were talking about Jamie, when I spoke my opinion, I felt shut down. And Martin says, sometimes I'm very blunt. That's something I need to work on. I'm cool being called out on things. I haven't always been good at communication, but working on it, I saw the dynamic between my parents, and that's what I learned. My dad was never good at communicating, and I never had someone in my family I could turn to and talk about emotions. Like, I don't cry. I feel like this was like hinting at a PTC that he's grown up in this household where he didn't learn how to talk about emotions. It's definitely strong wall play. Mm -hmm. And Michelle is coaxing it out of him. She says, do you think you can get to showing emotions? And he's like, sometimes I try to think too logically, but it's all right to feel things. And Michelle is like, well, when you think about raising a family, she's trying to get at the future casting. Would you, how would you do that differently? Martin says, lead by example. If they see the parents communicating... Have you always been open with your family? And Michelle says she was not good at talking about emotions and things like PDA are not her thing, but started to express herself in college. So Michelle is playing this walls back to him. I thought it was brilliant by Martin here to turn it back on her in this conversation. When she's saying, how would you raise your parents or your children differently? How would you handle it differently in your family? And can you get to that place where you can be more open with your emotions? And he's like, I would do this with my family and I think I can get there. Have you always been open? It was so brilliantly done because whatever she says, mm -hmm. if she says, yes, I have, because my family was always open. You can then be like, that's very lucky. I wish my family would have been like that. And that's the kind of family I want. And if she says, no, I haven't always been. It's something I've had to work on, which is what she says. Now it's a mirror wall play or potential mirror PTC. Brilliant move here by Martin. He's doing a lot of like little things correctly here. Really loved his play on this date. Martin is a really subtle player. And at first I was like, why isn't he playing a full PTC here? But I'm like, Martin is subtle. He knows he doesn't need to do that here and that he can just get away with these walls right. and saying we have these mirror walls and we can go on this journey together, help each other get through it and get better, that she's actually an inspiration for him that he can get better at showing emotion. He's actually the complete opposite of his physical play. His physical play, his appearance, is frosted tips, backflips, ripping the <laughs> sleeves off of his shirt. It couldn't be more brazen and overt. <laughs> But the way that he does his social dynamics play with Michelle is very subtle. It's just little turns mm -hmm. in the language. It's little ideas brought up here and there. Brilliantly done. And I think, honestly, like it helps to offset kind of the, the brashness of his appearance. Did you notice he has a rose tattoo behind his ear? Oh, yes. We'll get to it, I, I suppose. 
getting ahead of ourselves. Back <laughs> back at the house, we get the second date card. It is a group date. Will, Chris S., Casey, Chris, G, Leroy, Rodney, Olu, Brandon, Clayton, Joe, Romeo, Nate, surrender to love, which means that Table Rick is getting the one-on-one. And he ITMs, my happiness is at an all-time high. Nate then says that he's not stressing about when he's going to get a one-on-one date, that it's coming. And Chris asks ITMs, he came off as really cocky. And that's where we're getting this thing that the producers are now threading through here that like, uh uh-oh, this is a rivalry building. And we obviously see how this plays out (laughs) throughout the rest of this episode. But it's just, at this point in the game, is there any question in anyone's mind that Nate can crush anyone and everyone, especially a fucking Chris S.? Like, is there any real threat to Nate from him? In my mind, no. And that's bad producing. The dweb? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. He called him fucking dweeb three or four times in this episode. He called him a weirdo three or four times. It was just like, it couldn't have been more polite insults to be used. Yes. Those are my favorite kind because it's like you can't really complain about it. It's like, no. oh, he's calling me a goof or a yeah. dweeb. It's very Canadian. I always forget Nate is Canadian. Same. But then you mentioned it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's dweeb is probably like the most hardcore insult he ever heard on the playground. Back on the one-on-one date, Martin and Michelle continue to discuss their walls and how they're going to surrender to their emotions. And Michelle says, I feel like you've opened up so much. His walls are coming down. He says, I know you're going to push me to keep going because I'm not going to stop. She says, you do open up, but you also listen. When I speak to you, there's a change that's applied so quickly, and that's not common. She's basically like, Martin can take a note, and I love that. Yeah, she essentially is telling him you have a fucking excellent first audience game that you can change yourself, that you're malleable enough to be able to manipulate right back to me whatever I say I want. It's fucking brilliant. And she's even recognizing it. There's a lot of stuff that Michelle Young said in this episode tonight that I think a a layman watching the show will view it through the context of like relationships. But when you know this is a game, she's actually commenting on a lot of these players' play styles. It's not actually about emotional connections. She's not going to wind up with fucking Martin. We know that. It's going to be Joe. It's going to be Nate. So everything she's saying here is in the guise of like, oh, you're good in a relationship because you can take my note and do what I say. But what she really is saying just under the surface there is like, I see you. I like how you play this game. Hey, you never know. He's in some of our top fours. (laughs) Mine. Top four is top four, though. You think he's going to win a ring? You think he's going to be the next fucking Bachelor? I don't think he's going to win the ring or be the next Bachelor. I rest my case, Your Honor. We're going to see him on sand. However, he does get that one-on-one rose. He gets a kiss. And then they go to an observatory. And Martin ITM's... I love level one load. I never thought I could feel like this as fast. We let our guards down. His balls have come down and they make out in the observatory. And now Michelle is only going to think of Martin when she looks up at space. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a very powerful thing to do to someone's mind to erase any thoughts of infinity, of what could be out there, aliens, <laughs> UFOs. Whenever she looks into space, the great beyond, she will only think of Martin. Portion four begins the next morning. The guys are theorizing about what they might be doing on this group date. And Rodney speculates it might be that they get into sumo wrestling suits and fight each other. Yeah. 
Rodney is a student of this game. <laughs> That's all I was thinking is he's just like checking down a list of shit. He's like, yeah, they can make us do that. They can make us do that. Yeah, they've already done the public performance. <laughs> right. He's like, I've already done a forced nudity. Hopefully it won't be that again. Uh, Joe ITM's an assumption that the competition is going to get intense. And then there's a knock at the door and Nate finds a bunch of colored bags that contain different kinds of pajamas. And each bag is assigned to a specific player. So this means that the producers have now chosen wardrobes for each of the players. They will sometimes do this on group dates specifically to start designing full edits for players or to make a forced nudity happen or to see what that will do to someone. And so in this, we see that Chris S gets a pair of tidy whiteies. And this is, to some degree, starting to shape him into a full edit. And the producers then force Chris S. to engage in this little montage. Do you know what this was a reference to? I know it's a Tom Cruise movie. That is correct. The movie is Risky Business. It was released 38 years ago in 1983. It is proving, once again, that these producers are completely <laughs> out of touch with their audience. I would guess that probably 75% of the viewing audience of The Bachelor has no fucking idea what that reference is. I'm going to guess that at least 50% recognize the outfit. Like, I recognize the outfit. But did you recognize when he, like, slides across the floor and when he's on the couch, like, flipping around? And the slide. I did not know the, the couch part. The couch part is also a part of it. It's basically in that movie, Tom Cruise plays this kid who's about to go to college. His parents go out of town. He wants to make some money. So he gets involved with a prostitute and he starts running like a prostitution ring out of his parents' house, basically. Oh. And that little scene takes place the night when they leave. He's like, I got the whole house to myself. So he puts on sunglasses and he's in his underwear dancing around enjoy that his parents are gone. I thought it was another Tom Cruise reference to when he jumps on the couch and is excited about being in love with Oprah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, they're really into Tom Cruise this season. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode's not going to have some Tom Cruise reference. Probably. That's probably part of the contract. It's like, you have to promote Top Gun and Risky Business and A Few Good Men. They really did make him like do this whole like one-man play by himself. There's no one else in the room. Yeah. And they gave him the Tom Cruise outfit. Like, that outfit is a... It's not just pajamas. It's meant to exactly mimic what Tom Cruise wore in that scene. At any rate, uh, all these guys go into a room that has some popcorn popping and pizza, cotton candy, ice cream, sundaes, and giant teddy bears. It's a slumber party. And we see that there are all these various kind of slumber party activities set up for all the guys and for her to do. We see Michelle is playing Twister with Chris S., who gets a kiss out of it. Clayton, who notoriously doesn't like sweets is spinning cotton candy for Brandon and Chris G, who do like a cheers with it before they eat it. And the guys have to carry these bears around that I guess they've made. And we start to see that Michelle now is feeling neglected. And so she calls Clayton over to her and he kind of gets in a few words. And then Olu does this thing where he initiates an abs of steel <laughs> challenge. And he asks people <laughs> to punch him as hard as they can in the stomach. And he dismisses Michelle from participation in this. And so Clayton does the honors. He you know, revs up and fucking punches him in the stomach. The guys are all having like a fun guy time here. This is all very guy sports like bonding shit. And Michelle is ostracized. She ITMs that she's feeling unseen, that the men are embracing their inner child a little too much. Taitlin come in, the ultimate girl gang, and Tasha says to the men, I hope this isn't what you think is all you're doing. 
Actually, this is not a fun slumber party. It is a forced violence group date, the ultimate teddy bear takedown. And we see the other part of this large building that they're in. It is a wrestling WWE style setup. And there are two women fighting each other with teddy bears, the Bella twins. And these twins are my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. These WWE superstars. Brie Bella has 8.2 million Instagram followers. Nikki Bella has 10 million. This is star power. It truly is. And we've said for a long time on our show. The NFL, the WWE, and The Bachelor are all basically the same thing. These open lies for our entertainment. And here you have it. They're literally together with one another. And we know that next week, they're going to be going to an NFL football field to do their Viking group date. So it is it is all in the same pot. And it should also be noted that this, what is it, the Teddy Bear Takedown Club or whatever? Ultimate Teddy Bear Takedown? Sorry, Ultimate Teddy Bear Takedown is a dead ripoff of Demi's Extreme Pillow Fight Club. In that Mm -hmm. date in season 24 of The Bachelor, all of the various players who were on that group date had to get dressed in lingerie and then beat the shit out of each other with pillows. Here, it's the guy equivalent. They're using teddy bears instead of pillows. And instead of lingerie, they're dressed in bathrobes or tidy whities or whatever the case may be. But we are just going to get another date that we saw in season 24 playing out here once again, just as we had last week, the pilot date from season 24. And Michelle is visibly upset. She ITMs that now the boys are going to be competing with each other instead of making small moments with me during the group date. It's like, Michelle, have you seen the show? (laughs) (laughs) But it's also like, she alone, of anyone there, has the power to end this date if she wants to and turn it into whatever she wants. If she wants small moments, she could be like, I don't want to see you guys hitting each other with fucking teddy bears. Let's go have a barbecue. Let's go back to the pool. Let's go have a pool party. Let's have an early cocktail party. She could do anything she wants here. That is the true power of the lead. You can fuck with the dates to some degree. Well, she doesn't want to fuck with the parasocial powerhouses of Brie Bella and Nikki Bella. Bring the fuckabella twins to your fuck a pool party. That would be even more interesting. <laughs> wrestle in the pool. Yes. Have them wrestle some fucking dudes or something. Like they could have used the Bella twins any way they wanted. When they have these dates where the the guys or the women, whoever it is, have to be engaged in some kind of physical activity, how the fuck are they going to have these small moments with her when they're literally being forced to beat the shit out of each other in a ring? It's very hard to get a small moment when you're trying to dodge a fucking bodybuilder swinging like a 20-pound fucking <laughs> sack of fluff at you. And when Michelle is forced to go sit over with the Ultimate Girl Gang far away from them. <laughs> exactly. They're like, are you okay? And she's like, yes, I'll be fine. I'm not going to cry. I'm just not going to get enough attention. It's like, what the fuck are we watching at this point? It, it just, it, none of it makes any sense. It's even like what she's saying. The thing I want is these small moments, but I don't want to have to generate them. I want the guys to come to me to make them. And she even says in an ITM earlier, because that's what I did when I was on my season. And we also see here, In that one ITM, she's like, when I was Mm -hmm. on the other side of this, I made sure to make those small moments because that's what I wanted. And it's like, that's right, Michelle, because you're a fucking good player. 
there aren't that many good players on your season. I'm sorry to tell you. And even the ones who are good are only really good comparatively. I would actually, Nate and Joe are, are like legitimately good. Yes. But on her season, season 25, there were like some just astounding players. She was one of them on that season. So when she's saying the shit about like how the guys on my season don't make these small moments and I would have done this, it's like, yes, because you're better than all of them combined, your skill level, you know? And so in a way, it's, I get a little bit of a vibe of like when Nick Bial was on his season and you saw a sadness in him because he was watching these players play and granted he had some great players, but he felt that he was like better than them. And you could see that he was just kind of like, oh, I guess I have to wade through this. The opposite is true here where Michelle sees that she's a better player and she is like desperate to see somebody playing at her level and nobody can. I mean, she awarded Martin last week for doing this on the pilot group date. So they are bad players. They're not picking up on that clue. They also didn't watch Claire's season when she famously was like, no one is talking to me. (laughs) I know. It reminded (laughs) me of that, too. She got so pissed. We get these bear fights. Clayton beats Joe. We get Leroy versus Rodney. In these bear fights, too, the, the guys are split into teams by the Bella Twins. We don't know who's on what team at all. So they just start doing these fights. And it's like, well, he won, he won. And we're like, but it's a play for time, they say. The winning team is going to get to go have more time with her. The losing team has to go home. We have no idea what's going on. We have no idea who's winning or losing in the team. It This whole thing is cut together like pure shit. This is the worst producing, <laughs> I think, of the episode. Because you just don't... There are no stakes in it. You don't give a fuck about who's winning any of it. No, they wanted to have the individual costumed outfits, but... They also wanted it to be teams where they should have at least been wearing like a bandana or something. Or just fucking announce it. I I don't know what is going on with these producers. It is just the least amount of effort applied toward everything. There is no forethought into like, what would this mean if there are teams? Shouldn't the viewers at home know who are on those teams? If you're showing the outcomes of the fights, which they showed every outcome, the champion's hand was raised shouldn't we have some investment in that? No? Okay, fuck it. Like, do you remember when they did this on the fucking, um, the bowling date on season 22, Ari Leindyke? Of course. When he licked the bowling ball? Yeah, well, let's not, let's not go that far down memory lane. I'm just talking <laughs> about... <laughs> I see that in my nightmares. Oh my God. I think about it probably once a week. It's just the straight... Whatever. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to talk about how they split those teams down the middle. Good for you. They Thank you. They gave each team a name that was like germane to the bowling thing. They gave them different colored jackets. They really pumped up that rivalry and it got Crystal Nielsen to fucking implode. Even here, they don't understand the value of splitting these teams up and giving the team's identities even among the players. If you want to really get the players to be competitive in these fights, if you want to draw out that play in them, you have to also do this for them. It's not just for us watching. It's for the players themselves. And that lack of ability to manipulate the players is a bad sign that they aren't even aware of this shit. They're not even thinking of it. That's very bad producing. What's not bad producing is during the competition between Brandon and Olu, Olu performs a voluntary duty play and takes off the top of his jammies. And everyone is calling him Swolu. Great nickname. <laughs> and he wins. There was also a moment in this where Chris S. comes out in his tidy whities 
And Taitlin makes a joke about the tidy whities and says that on her season, a dick popped out when the guys were wrestling. Oh, I thought it was a ball. It was bleeped. Some kind of genitals popped out. And then when we see Chris S. in his fight, they black box his crotch, probably unnecessarily, but just to try and pay off that joke. Mm-hmm. Swolu's team wins with his victory, and the Bella Twins tell the losing team to go home. And this is something that I am actually really enjoying this season, is that they are honoring their play for times, and the losing team actually get fucked. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a very welcome addition. That's like some old school Bachelor. That's like Old Testament Bachelor, you know? Yeah, Old Testament. (laughs) (laughs) Mesnian. (laughs) It truly fucking is. But at the end of this, Michelle ITM is being sad about not having people come up to her, pull her aside. She must be seen. She is, after all, the star of this reality show. And she. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues. Uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake. And therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims clues it is springtime it is the off season it is gore girl summer the weather's getting warmer thank dark lord palmer and it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, 
and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like clues who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince king yourself or Quince queen. Go to quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. He is hurt. So portion seven begins. Michelle is talking to Caitlin about feeling hurt because people aren't making these small moments for her. She's literally shitting on all of their games at this point. And she maintains that she isn't trying to be the center of attention. It's not about that. And Caitlin asks her what is actually making her upset. And she brings up her poetry date and her poem being the only person of color in her classes as a kid made her feel overlooked. And she felt like the token black girl because she wasn't seen. So coming into this, she thought it would be different. And that's kind of where she is at psychologically. She produces some tears. She is frustrated and hurt as night falls. And we get that after party. Clayton does a cheers to a drama-free night. Lol. <laughs> I know. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Dra like, are they telling him to say that shit? You're on the fucking Bachelorette. They must be. They must be. I agree. Michelle then comes and says... The last thing I wanted to do was switch the energy, but I can't put on a smiling face. She brings up her poem about not being seen and not being asked on dates, but she's making efforts to make small moments with them, but doesn't feel it's reciprocated, doesn't need massive gifts or gestures, just wants a hello during the date, which is very sad. And her biggest fear is she could commit to someone who doesn't see her, which is something she's dealt with before. And... Nate gets a bachelorette's preference here. Michelle pulls Nate. And then Olu says to the group of guys, it's tough hearing that from her. He produces tears. And he says, growing up in Minnesota, black woman being overlooked in the shadows, not getting enough respect. And fuck, this is her time to find what she truly wants. This second audience play by Olu, I mean, it doesn't get more for TRR than that. No, totally. At that point, there's absolutely no way anyone could come with a 4TWR attack against him. This basically makes him immune to anything like that. This was a fantastic play. And then Nate, on his one-on-one -on -one time, uh, Michelle tells him that he doesn't pull her aside enough. The dates aren't about the activities. They're about the small moments. She's literally telling him, how to play the game here. She's literally explaining to him that it's like, <laughs> yeah, they're going to put you on obstacle courses and force nudity and force violence and shit. That's not what it's about. You just have to survive that shit. What it's about is first audience, second audience, third audience, fourth audience. Don't get wrapped up in fucking hitting <laughs> each other with teddy bears. Come talk to me, you dipshit. And she says she's always been the one 
giving more in relationships, but her soulmate has to reciprocate that and make sure she's seen. He assures her that she's seen and he's 100% willing to make that more known and obvious. And he apologizes for making her feel that way. And then he ITMs feeling terrible about not giving her what she needs. We get some one-on-one time with Romeo, who thanks her for being honest and says he was not giving her the attention he wanted to give her. We get one-on-one time with Clayton. He knows he can do better than what he's been doing. And he sees her and he wants to show her so much more, but he's holding back because he's playing it safe. Floater style. Olu loads a PTC in his ITM saying that he feels Michelle's pain having four sisters and what they faced. And then he gets one-on-one time with Michelle. And Olu says, what you said reminded me of my sisters. Being that girl that's isolated and not feeling loved. Me being the male figure in my sister's life and having to uplift them. And this PTC about his sister's heartbreak was my... Play, 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 play of the game. It pulls tears from Michelle. It has been solidified as 4TRR because he already produced tears with the second audience. It is a mirror PTC because it is talking about what Michelle's going through, that he's not exactly has lived that experience, but has lived it through his sisters. And he produces tears, which... Michelle says you showing that emotion, especially as a black man, helps me to show emotion because that's not something that is comfortable, but that makes me feel seen, which is exactly what she has asked these guys to do. And ultimately, he is going to get the group date rose for this one-on-one time. And I thought it was just absolutely extraordinary. Olu, like, killed it this episode. Swolu, I'm sorry. Swolu's PTC about his sisters experiencing the same unseenness that Michelle Young did was also my play, 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 play of the game. Every other player on this group date. When Michelle Young comes out and says that I'm not seen, makes it about themselves. They're like, fuck, I need to apologize. I need to explain to her that I can do better. I will show her I'm better or that I do see her. Olu doesn't do that. He makes it all about Michelle. He comes in there with real fucking emotion and says, I understand what you're talking about because my sisters have gone through that too and I've had to be there for them and I'm going to be here for you. This was fucking brilliant. It was a brilliant use of a PTC, brilliant use of tears, brilliant use of mirror PTC and of course he gets that group date rose. This was fucking mind-blowing to me. You know, there were some good plays that are made and we're going to get to, you know, Rick in a moment on his one-on-one. There were some other good plays made, but to get a group date rose, that is fucking hard to do. That is much harder to do than it is to get a one-on-one rose. One-on-one rose is like, it's actually better than 50-50%. It's like somewhere in the 60s, I think, that you're going to get a rose if you go on a one-on-one. In Bachelor. In Bachelor, sorry. Group dates ain't like that, obviously. You got a one in whatever chance versus however many other people are on the fucking date with you. That shit is hard to pull off. Congratulations to Olu. You got my play of the game. Swolu. <laughs> Portion seven begins with Table Rick getting ready for one of those over 50% likelihood you're going to get a rose dates. 
He runs to Michelle. Michelle says, we're ready to take our relationship to new heights. And they go on a gondola. She says, I'm glad you're here. And Rick says, me too. Thank you for this. Gets a little kiss right off the bat. Solid table, Rick. Did you notice when he runs up to her and he gets the hug, he tried to pull her into an impromptu yes. half hooju. Did you see this? Yes. Okay. I, ju- I just need to break this down. Sorry. You know I love the subsport. You know I analyze these things. He lifted her shoulders. Exactly. Here's how a hooju works. Just for anybody who might want to know, Rick, the hooju-er <laughs> has to have their arms above the anchor's shoulders. The anchor is the person being hooju'd. So if you're trying to coax someone into... I mean, this wouldn't be a full hooju because there was no approach. He did the approach. So it would just be a cling, basically, the last half of a hooju. Nonetheless, you get points for that. <laughs> if he wanted to do this, how you do it is like this. You don't run up to her and then put your arms over her arms and try to bear hug her up. That will not work. The mechanics of it are wrong. You walk up to her or jog up to her. You squat down a little bit. You put your arms under her armpits, around her back for the hug. Then you lift her up. Scoop. You have to do the scoop so that her arms can go around the back of your head. She will have a grip around the back of your neck. And then you can lift her up into a cling if she is amenable. What you've done here is a fucking nightmare. Poorly done. (laughs) Very hard to watch. Please don't do it again. I mean, I know it's already recorded, but... Editors, if you're listening, please edit it out of the next episode if he ever does this again. I cannot see it again. What you've done here is a fucking nightmare. (laughs) After that living nightmare, they go in this gondola. They go up to the top of this mountain. And, you know, you might think... There's not a lot of life living at the top of a mountain. The air is thin. It's cold. Oh, God. But there is life. There is life. There's a creature that is full of life. A small little bird in a bush hopping around, representing Table Rick hopping around looking for the right form to do a hoodoo. He can't find it. And that's why this bird was my. <laughs> Creature of the week. This little bird was strutting his stuff. This bird knows this is his moment to shine and he does not disappoint engaging in a full flourish of wing play as he effortlessly dances back and forth between two plants almost daring the fourth audience to look away knowing that's not even possible because of the level of cuteness achieved by this avian creature that is why this tiny bird was my Creature of the week. Rick and Michelle continue on the date. They (laughs) sniff a few trees. They walk around. Mm. They're holding hands. And then they find a wish box. Now, I need to stop everything right here. Mm -hmm. Is the wish box real? (laughs) I know the wishes are not real, but is there really a wish box at wherever the fuck they are? The wishes are not. The wishes are absolutely 
falsified, but I believe that the wish box is real. Okay. I'll go I'll go that far with you as well. I'm like, the wish box could be real. Just because I don't think they're creative enough to come up with the wish box. I think the wish <laughs> box was on site. Okay. <laughs> Roasted. Yeah. All right. So wish <laughs> the wish box is not real. Or sorry, the wish box is real. The wishes, though, clearly are not. They start pulling them out. The rules of this wish box are you can write a wish on a piece of paper, put it in the box. Hopefully it comes true. But in order to do that, first, you have to read all the other wishes in the box. So we watch them now as they pull these wishes out of the box. And these are clearly written by producers. They find one that says, I wish to find my soulmate. They're starting us out with just a general, this is The Bachelor. We're going to find your soulmates. And then (laughs) one that says, I want love like my grandparents had. So the producers are smart enough to at least do one Uh step removed from Michelle Young. So she's like, oh, that's how I feel about my parents. But this is a direct lead in for Rick into his PTC. I literally, when this happened and they were pulling him out and Rick was just doing a PTC for every single wish in the wish box, I was like... The wish box is a low budget version of a ceremony of the ancients. It totally is. You know, the wish box is basically like they just took Rick's application for the show and just took all of his personal information and wrote questions that were like, here, have him ask this fucking question. So he has to answer this shit. He plays this parental PTC split here when she's like, my parents were together and that's what this reminds me of. And he's like, well... My parents were split, but I still think about the good times, family dinners and stuff. Then they pull out another one and it says, I wish my dad could have seen the man I've become. It can't be more pointed. They know exactly what he now is going to tell her. They have put this in here to drum this up. He almost goes into tears just fucking reading this. And he starts telling her that his dad passed away three years ago. The toughest thing he had was the last 10 years of his life because his dad was so depressed. And he says not being able to help the people you love is one of the hardest things to accept. So he now comes out with this PTC and we're going to find out later there's even another fucking part of it. But Michelle says part of falling in love is having these hard conversations. And that's the wish that they have is that they want to find love by having hard conversations and they put the kiss and put it in the fucking box. That is the most (laughs) jammed in wish I've ever heard in my life. It's, it's, just right. I wish for an Xbox. Like, yeah, exactly. I wanted to see w- one wish that was something like that. Like, I wish to go on a journey to find my soulmate. But ev- even that, that's fine. F- I wish to fall in love by having a hard conversation. That is one of the craziest wishes <laughs> I've ever fucking heard. Like, who's rubbing a genie's lamp or blowing out birthday candles and being like, you know what I really wish? I wish that I could find love through having very difficult conversations. That's my ardent wish. <laughs> What? What the fuck? <laughs> Nobody wants that. You haven't wished properly, Clues, until you've wished for love through hard combos. <laughs> I guess not. Fuck. They sit on a log. Rick says, you encourage me to be vulnerable. It's easy and it's never felt easy. And Michelle says, sharing experiences from the past shows the growth to who you are. And I like who you are. Love, love level ones. ones. Rick. They get a kiss. She items today has taken us to new heights. And then we begin portion eight. It is the night portion of this one-on-one. They sit at a table with the dinner they must not eat. Rick double dips back into his PTC and he tells us the whole backstory of this. His dad was his coach. He was there for every game, every practice. He was a good father and a husband sometimes, but not always. Two weeks before Christmas, his dad got a text from a woman that Rick found. Rick then told his mom about it. And three days after Christmas, his mom said, we're moving out. So basically, Rick's dad cheated on Rick's mom. They split up and Rick blamed himself for finding the text. 
and telling his mom about it. And this ultimately, I suppose, is what led to his dad's depression that lasted for the last 10 years of his life. And then he tells the story about his dad texting him. And then was it a day later, his dad was found dead. And he thinks that his dad blamed him till the very end for revealing this the text message cheating to his mom. And then he says, that's why that note we read, that uh, wish in the wish box hit him so hard. But Michelle made it easier for him. And he thanks her, kisses mm -hmm. her hand. And Michelle tells him that you get those wounds and those scars, but everything you've been through, that is what makes you such an amazing person. And he says that his past helped him come into this experience in the right way. No holding back, emotions out on the table. He fucking LL3s her right here. And then he says, he's like, I could be falling in love with you. And I am. That's first LL3 in the race. He's the furthest ahead in love levels. Mm -hmm. Then he fucking future casts. I am looking forward to that moment that I can say I am in love with you. Have we ever seen a future casted LL4 direct to first audience? Not that I can remember, but I mean, we've heard things like I can see myself getting there mm -hmm. kind of thing, alluding to it. Yeah. I mean, Rick definitely didn't need to do this after this um, very intense PTC. And he played the PTC well, like he ties it back to Michelle totally. helping him talk about it and ties it into how it's made him the person that he is today. But, you know, the first person to love level three, it is a solid move. This was almost my play of the game if not for Swolu. Oh, me too. His whole day. Swolu blew me out of the fucking water. But this was a close second because it was a whole day immersed in the PTC that had multiple parts that he just kept re-hitting it. Then he fucking blows these love levels out. I mean, Jesus Christ. He went straight from... Had he even level level one her yet? I don't remember. But here he fucking winds up at love level three with a love level four to come. Fuck. And then, of course, he gets that one-on-one -on -one rose... And a kiss. She also calls him her little lettuce wrap. <laughs> yeah, he's got multiple nicknames. Tabletop <laughs> lettuce wrap. So her and tabletop lettuce wrap go to a private Andy Grammer concert. Andy Grammer has 423,000 Instagram followers and he sings his new hit, Lease on Life. They dance, they kiss. We've seen this type of date a million times before. And Michelle ITMs that he is grateful for every small moment. He's there for TRR and he's proof the process is working. Portion nine, we begin the cocktail party with a strange play. <laughs> Michelle comes down to the group of guys, and before she says anything, or she's about to say something, a Chris S. interrupts, hands her her drink, first responder, but says, before we get started, I want to say something. There are guys here who think they have it in the bag, and I think that's bullshit, and I think they're not showing you the effort that you deserve, and you should give time to other people who are here for you. Guys who think they have it in the bag should either speak up or go home. Shell's like, thank you, Chris. <laughs> Past relationships, I haven't been seen. Nope, but nobody <laughs> has it in the bag. And interrupting Michelle Young's cocktail party speech to give his cocktail party speech by Chris S was my error 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 of the game never interrupt the lead <laughs> Could have easily waited for her to say something and then stepped in. This shit was fucking bananas. It was a bad play, top to bottom. Fourth audience, hate you now. First audience, hate you now. 
Second audience hates you now. Third audience, mm, they probably hate you too. But they're going to keep you around. <laughs> Obviously, we see that. But he he could have floated. Like I think he would have gotten farther floating than what he's doing here. This shit yes. was so bizarre to me. I don't understand it. I don't know why you would do something like this. Unless you really thought like you were going to go home that night. Even that, though. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. This was a very, very bad play. I agree. Then... <laughs> Brandon tries to be the first responder. Chris S. blocks it, says, I'm going to steal her first. We go to Michelle for the ruling. She says, Brandon already stepped up, but I'm going to talk to him for a minute and come back to you. So she overrules Brandon's first responder. But this is also, now this is what you fucking see. Michelle comes out and says, I want these small moments. I'm not seen. Well, guess what? Now every fucking guy is going to be beating the shit out of the next one to try and talk to you. <laughs> like that is what happens after a speech like this. It's a fucking feeding frenzy. And you even saw it when she comes into that room. Now, after she's given these little speeches, anytime she comes into a room where there's like multiple guys, one of them is like, oh, here she comes. And they all stand up and are like, <laughs> they're all like looking at her and smiling and like they all have drinks for her. <laughs> exactly. It's just like now the shit is off the fucking charts. It's hilarious to me. But the guys all discuss Chris S's bullshit as he has his one-on-one -on -one time. And Chris G ITMs that he thinks Chris did this because Chris might be feeling behind in the game. And he was just doing this to get ahead again. So we start to get some very open gameplay speech because the other guys too are questioning, why the fuck is he doing this? And they're looking at it through a gameplay perspective almost exclusively. During Chris S's one-on-one -on -one time, he says, I feel like I was one of the guys on the group date who put in time to make you feel noticed while the other guys sat around. And Nate said, I already know I'm going to get a one-on-one -on -one date. It's just a matter of when. So this doesn't really matter. And Michelle's taken aback. She says, this is a lot. And he says, I think you deserve to know. Chris S tattling on Nate specifically was my... Error, 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 error of the game. It's such a bad fucking attack, too. It's like, it's a 4TWR attack, like no question, but it's so fucking rudimentary. He thinks he's got this in the bag. It's like, and? Like, shouldn't you all think that? Shouldn't you all have some confidence about like, oh, I like her and I think she likes me? You're also targeting the front runner and the FIMP recipient. And getting the FIMP rose, with that comes confirmation bias. Michelle is going to need a lot of counter evidence to retract her first impression and first decision that she's made in this game. And it's definitely not going to come in the form of a floater tattling that Nate felt confident about getting a one-on-one -on -one date. Absolutely. He's a front runner. If you're going to do a specific tattle, which I never recommend. Fucking low-hanging fruit. Get somebody else. Get Chris G or somebody. Chris G. Go after the other Chris. Yeah, say that he wrote a fucking shitty poem about having it in the bag. Something like that. You know, whatever. I don't know. But like, don't go after fucking Nate. Jesus Christ. Such a bad play. Top to bottom. The attack itself was bad. The target was bad. You never tattle. Blah, blah, blah. Just a, a very stupid play all around. Chris S is a has revealed himself as what I thought was a floater. Now he's revealed himself to be a very bad player. And then they force poor fucking Michelle Young to do these ITMs that she's probably contractually obligated to do where she's like, no one has it in the bag. I haven't made any decisions yet. I don't know who's going to win. It's like, oh, God. Okay. 
By the way, Nate does something at the guy chat when he comes back and he says, don't let that weird energy go into your conversation with Michelle. I love this 4TRR group coaching where he's just like, he wants all of his second audience buddies to give their best performances. Unreal. Then Chris S comes in. I mean, he's just, he's very good at the game. He has an ITM here in a moment as well that proves that. Chris S comes back to the guys and they all kind of come at him for making it a negative situation. The guys see his plays being kind of like a slash and burn technique just to ruin the whole fucking evening for everybody. And then Nate has this ITM where he says, Chris S's thing was a strategic move, but in the worst way possible. Nate understands it's the fucking (laughs) error of the game. That's how good he is at this. Even while he's in the game playing, he's able to identify errors and shit. Fucking fantastic. I loved seeing that ITM. And then finally, Nate gets his one-on-one time and Michelle tells him that Chris S. brought up his cocky statement about getting a one-on-one date. And Nate says he doesn't know why he singled me out, but I can't control other people. And Brandon and Chris S. are talking back in the group. Brandon accuses him of putting words in her mouth. And then back on the Nate one-on-one time, Michelle tells him, you shouldn't feel like you have anything in the bag. One, she's not a massive prize at the end of this, she says. That is correct. The prize is Instagram followers. And two, she shouldn't have to light a fire under someone's ass to want to be with her. All these guys are held prisoner. They have to be with you. No, there's no fires needed to be lit. However, in this moment, when Nate is in the one-on-one time with Michelle, despite all the shit she's saying, you don't have it in the bag, blah, blah, blah. You look at their body language. She's sitting basically in his lap. His arm is basically around. Like there's, there's just from looking at them, there is no way you see that and think, oh God, Nate might not make it through this round. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're basically already boyfriend and girlfriend sitting on a couch together. And she's just complaining to him about some like asshole and being like, here's some shit I have to say for the show. Nobody has in the bag. I'm not a prize, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You don't have it in the bag. That was a flirtatious line. You don't have it in the bag. (laughs) That's Chris G saying it. (laughs) I don't mean to brag, but I think I'm going to get a one-on-one and I know we're going to have some fun. Thank you. Oh, my God. I love this new character. <laughs> <laughs> that portion ends with Nate coming back to the group and he taps Chris S. on the shoulder to go for a little talk. Portion 10 begins. Chris S. and Nate are talking. Chris S. is telling him he didn't mean to sell him out, but he did tell her about Nate being confident. He's like, I, sorry, bro. I didn't mean to sell you out, but I just sold you out completely. I didn't mean to. It just happened. I don't know. (laughs) I like how he summarizes it right off the bat. I didn't mean to sell you out. Like, he doesn't even wait to see what Nate heard. (laughs) He's just like, I didn't mean to sell you out. I mean, I didn't. I mean, what do you think I did? I I didn't mean to totally fuck up your game, bro. Yeah. And then Nate is like, why does it bother you so much? And Chris S. keeps (laughs) saying... He keeps saying she was probing. She probed me. She probed me. <laughs> A little conversation about the definition of probe. Probe means asking, dude. And whenever you see a guy doing this, Chris S is like just doing this thing where he's getting to overly semantical argument. It means he's trying to get out of the actual argument because he knows he's fucking lost. He can't argue on substance here. So he's trying to get tied up in the words of the argument. Well, he's slowly walking away this whole conversation. She probed me. She probed me. She probed me. 
<laughs> and as, as the conversation starts escalating, this is where Chris S. walks away and we see Nate calls him a fucking dweeb. <laughs> then he calls him a weirdo and a dweeb again later. And the other guys are all talking about it. They all agree that Chris S. is a snake. A little more of a pointed insult. A little more hardcore than a dweeb. And then we see Joe get some one-on-one time. This motherfucker, he brings snacks because she told him that snacks would pick her up when she's feeling down. He tells her that he felt disappointed in himself for making her feel unseen. And he has feelings for her. Love level one. And he also has a blanket for her. He puts out a fucking blanket on her. And she says, you're a quiet soul, but strong-willed and confident. I'll say again, quiet soul, but strong-willed and confident. This is that quiet confidence style that we have talked about in a few of our recaps of this season. His quiet confidence style is going to come head-to-head with Nate's charminance very soon, and we're going to see which of those styles plays best here in season 18. I think it's charminance, but we'll see. I can't wait. I also was really hoping that he's like, I really don't ever want you to feel unseen again. And then he just takes the blanket and covers her whole body. (laughs) (laughs) Including her face? Yeah. (laughs) I just want you to feel seen, duck. (laughs) I was waiting for somebody to pull out like a pair of glasses and be like, I'm so sorry that you feel unseen. And then put on a pair of glasses and be like, now I can see you much better. Martin wears glasses, I think. She probably wouldn't have laughed at that. No, she would have thought it was shitty. Rodney gets some one-on-one time, says he owes her more of himself. She wants him to be okay with tuning other people out. He tries to see if she remembers their handshake. Brandon gets one-on-one time. He says, you're giving all to me. Maybe I'm not doing enough. She tells him he makes her feel special. When they lock eyes across the room, they make out. And... (laughs) Back at the the main guy chat room, Olu asks Chris S. if he's getting a rose. And Chris S. says, time will tell. I know. And then he sort of gathers what Olu was actually asking. He's like, wait, why would you assume I'm not getting a rose? And Olu's like, based on what you just did. (laughs) Chris S., well, the reception I got upstairs was not like that in the bag language. (laughs) He's just, he's a bad player. He's just a bad player. And then he says when he gets a rose, he's going to say, this one's for you, Olu. And then he'll wink at him. So then we go into the final portion here, portion 11 on the night. It is that rose ceremony. We open with Olu saying, I hope Chris S. goes home and calling him reptilian (laughs) and all the other shit. He's a chameleon. He's a snake. He's a lizard. Rat, snake, crocodile, every reptile. He's been camouflaging this whole time. I love this colorful narrator turned by Olu. Gorgeous. Fantastic. Did not see it coming and well, well done. And then Taitlin comes out, asks Michelle how she's feeling. She says it's the toughest week yet, but happy she spoke her piece. She knows what she's going to do in this rose ceremony. And then Chris S. ITM's confidence about getting a rose despite all the guys hating him. And we have confidence that he'll get a rose too. The producers need him around. He is, at this point, really their only drama left. So they need him in the show for as long as they can maintain it. And Michelle then comes out and tells the guys she was able to have the necessary conversations and she's open to move forward. We get the rose ceremony. Brandon pulls that first flower, followed by Leroy, Joe, Rodney. Clayton gets an ITM thrown in here about not having enough time with her. (laughs) And I'm like, no shit, dude. No fucking shit. Then he gets the fifth rose. 
Casey gets number six. Nate gets number seven. And who's going to get the last one? Taitlin emerges to say it's the final rose. No dark touches given. And Chris S. gets that eighth rose. Tasha delivers a botched Tamsig. She says, please take a minute. It's please take a moment, Tasha. And then Will, Chris G., and Romeo are sent home. We savored your suffering, gentlemen. Thank you for playing our beloved game. Goodbye, Chris G. We savored your suffering on TV. <laughs> Is that good? It's fucking great. <laughs> then Nate ITMs that he is ready to not be a shy guy on these group dates anymore. Mm. So I, you know, he incorrectly identifies himself here as a shy style player. That's not true. He was just turtling a little bit. <laughs> but those that remain, <laughs> cheers. Michelle says there's a lot changing tomorrow. And she tries to do this little joke of like, I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going to Minneapolis. And so are all of you. <laughs> and then we cut to Brandon doing an ITM that is a fucking textbook perfect. I love Cleveland. He is so fucking excited about going to Minneapolis. <laughs> He's losing his fucking mind. He's screaming into the camera. Loved it. Everybody cheers. And then we get a promo of next week. We see the guys on the plane going to Minneapolis. We see a bunch of ponder shots over the city, a Viking fight group date. Somebody's diving into the water. There's basketball cake. Rick gets a kiss. Nate gets fireworks and a kiss. Chris S is mad. Martin gets a kiss. There's tears. People are nervous. Joe's tearing. There are mistakes. There are heartbreaks. It looks like it's going to be more of the same of what we saw this week. I think another kind of like grind through the middle of the season, but I am excited about domestic travel. At least this is a, a baby step back toward the actual game. Not international travel, but travel, group travel. And we're going to get all those I love Cleveland things when they walk into the hotel mm -hmm. for the first time and they're like, oh my God, it's a hotel room. I can't believe we're in a hotel. You know, we're going to see all that type of shit. I love that shit and I miss it sorely. Me too. So I'm looking very forward to that. Yeah, I'm really excited because I'm going to Minneapolis next month. Oh. So now I'm going to try to recreate every single date for myself, although it will be winter. So also, I'm like, why did we see this shot of Nate kissing in front of fireworks that basically says he got a one on one rose? Yeah, but I think episode one basically says he's going to get a one on one rose. <laughs> like, he's going to get all the roses or become the next bachelor. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he's going to finish top three for sure. I think he's probably going to get first or second. I, I see it being him and Joe. Like, I, I think they're yeah. the, the two front runners. One of them is going to win a ring. I think the other one will. Pro oh, fuck no. They're not going to be the next crown because it's Clayton is the next crown. And then from all the scuttlebutt, it's either going to be Blake Moynes or Michael Alio as Bachelor 27. You think it wouldn't be from this? Well, it probably wouldn't be from this season because they've already picked a Bachelor from this season. Right. Anyway, time will mm. tell on that. But we get the final tag here. Our final tag of the episode is Michelle and Martin riding in the backseat of my Jorge Moreno bystander of the week's car. And they're laughing as this guy is driving a million miles an hour around the track. And that concludes this week's big game. Who was your MVP? For his punching my abs game on the group date, for his voluntary nudity play on the group date competition, for his tier play with both the second and first audience, for sharing his sister's mirror PTC, securing the group date rose, and his hilarious interrogation of Chris S.'s rose prospects, Olu was my M M M M V P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P
Chris S. was my non-MVP. <laughs> oh, twist. Olu was my MMMMMVP. I mean, what can you say? I don't think Olu overall is going to be like one of the best players from this season, but this game, Olu fucking crushed it more than anyone else. All the stuff that you said, he had physical strength. He displayed it by letting an ex NFL tight end punch him in the stomach as hard as he could. And then he seemingly enjoyed it. Number two, he had psychological strength when he went against Chris S in that little conversation about you think you're going to get a rose or not. He displayed that he can go toe to toe. Granted, he had a group date rose pinned to his lapel, so he had a little confidence. Nonetheless, used it properly. He displayed emotional strength when he could produce tears on command, when he could do it in front of Michelle, when he said his PTC. Just a, a stellar game. He's playing to all four audiences tonight and knocked it out of the park. Congratulations, Olu, on that double MVP, double play of the game. Hard to get. And you got it. Incredible. Thank you for everyone who has joined us for our breakdown of tonight's big game. We will be back in 48 short hours with this week in Bachelor Nation to break down everything that has been going on this week in the nation. And there's a lot of shit. The New York City Marathon had a lot of huge players running in it. And we will be going through where they finished, what placements they came in. We will be talking about all of them, as well as a variety of other things. So please join us for that. And if you have not pre-ordered How to Win the Bachelor, please do so. It's a perfect holiday gift. It's a perfect Valentine's Day gift. And we just learned that we will be voicing the audiobook. And the audiobooks also count towards the pre-order. So look forward to that. Indeed. And before we go, as always, what is that drawback? It has been 7,170 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. 
my algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things, (laughs) and I need an easy install. And this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Mm. 